Today is Monday, August the 3rd, and this is Battleground. Today we have Dr. Cyril Spiral, MD, MBA. Cyril, welcome to the show again. It's always a pleasure to have you. We Morning. need common sense uh, when it comes to this COVID, to this nut house, to uh, we're going to ex extinguish and exterminate the entire planet by using hydroxychloroquine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, counter -medication. I, I don't know what the hell's going on, bro. But uh, it, it, it seems like, um, you know, what's amazing. It's uh, this, this hilarious meme and you've probably seen it um, that says, you know, uh, the internet's been around for X amount of years, whatever. We can't get rid of child porn, but in less than 24 hours, there's no trace of uh, th that group of doctors talking about hydroxychloroquine anywhere on the internet. Right, <laughs> right. They've been banned. There's something strange going on. Why don't you tell us about it, Cyril? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty shocking. Uh, in my opinion, it's pretty dangerous because you have governors that have actually told physicians they can't prescribe a medication that's 90 years old and that's over the counter in other foreign countries. I mean, that in and of itself is dangerous because at, at what point does the government say, you know, what medications you can't have and you must have, right? I mean, we provide uh, psychotropic medications to over 15% of the population in the United States, right? These are antidepressives, other medications that have a strong impact on the brain. Some of these medications actually are known as a side effect to cause people to kill themselves. Yet we prescribe them. Nobody thinks about it. They're like pills or even how about a pain medication? I mean, we've killed hundreds of thousands of people with pain medication. And only recently, you know, with Trump actually pushing the charge, have people really, you know, worked in opposition to that in the last few years. Yet you take hydroxychloroquine, which is a 90-year-old medication that you know, in proper dosage has very low and minimal side effects and you ban it as a state from doctors prescribing it. And it's been used yeah. off label before, right? I mean, yeah. medicine in general is used off label a lot, right? Part so of the, the basic principle of being a physician is that you make the judgment as to what medications to use. The idea being that good physicians are going to actually help teach other physicians, what works and what doesn't work. Obviously, you have to have clinical trials and all that, but that actually comes from the judgment of physicians that lead that charge. For the state to take away the ability for physicians to make judgments about what the right medication is for their patients is, is dangerous. And that's why we see these doctors that come out and speak out against it in groups, and you get to hear about it for about a couple of days before it goes away. When it but gets it's strange because early on we, we talked about this. I don't know if it was in March or April. Uh, we talked about hydroxychloroquine, yeah, and it was having a lot of success. And the Trump administration even had to reach out to Prime Minister Modi to get them to release hydroxychloroquine to get imported to the U.S. because they weren't letting any exports out, out of their country, right? That's exactly and right. Now, all of a sudden, that became taboo. Um, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, um, but it almost sounds like they don't want a cure because they need a crisis in order to beat Trump. And that's yeah. what it sounds like in everybody's, in everybody's mind, it sounds like, that's so strange. And then the words that Fauci says, right? Well, there's no clinical trials. There's no this. What we need to do is we need to fast track a vaccine. 
So right. there's not going to be any trials on vaccines or anything like that. We just need to give them out because a vaccine is better than trying a drug that has been used since the 50s. Well, the, the fact is there are clinical trials. This all started with a clinical trial, okay. which was now it wasn't a, a randomized double blind clinical trial, but it was a clinical trial and it was done in France and they gave half their patients the hydroxychloroquine and the other half they didn't and they saw the effects and it was dramatic it was dramatic so you've seen somebody 100 percent of the patients on hydroxychloroquine did not die wow i read the original studies yeah. and then there have been more many more recent studies which i haven't fully read because you know after a point in time you realize it's bs you're like why am i going to waste my time you know continuously reading things when it doesn't really matter what the truth is anymore right we live in this post-truth world where Medicine has become completely politicized, and it's all about what does Fauci say, what does Trump say, and that's how policy is directed. And as you said, I mean, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but we'll find out in December whether, you know, things relax in November, after November 4th. November 4th, we're going to find out if we still have a crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in, in one of the uh, podcasts we did early on, we talked about something that was really interesting. Um, that there are a lot of frontline doctors that were taking hydroxychloroquine as a preventive measure. And nobody had an issue really early on, but I guess things started to work. So they decided to kill it. I don't know what happened. That's, that's so bizarre, man. Yeah. You know, it's why wouldn't you want something that works? Why wouldn't you want precedent. to work, mm -hmm. you know? unless you just want more chaos and pandemonium, right? Yeah, I, you know, I just don't understand the communication channels between these people and the upper echelons, you know, the governors and the NAID, you know, all these various people that obviously are communicating and coordinating, right? Because multiple states banned the use of hydroxychloroquine simultaneously, right? As the CDC said, there's no proof and so on and so forth. These things don't just happen, right? Governors generally don't really know much of anything except how to get elected and they're just listening to people. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm you know, not exactly, that's not exactly true. There are some very smart governors, but nonetheless, you know, the fact that it's all coordinated like that, it's almost beyond, it's like behind the curtain. I don't know what's going on behind the curtain, but obviously it's a coordinated effort. And it clearly started immediately after Trump said, hydroxychloroquine seems to be a good thing, which came from the study in France that I read. So, you know, he's been taking it apparently um, as a preventive measure, and he's he's not sick, and just about everybody else around him has been, right? Yeah, no heart attacks. I mean, you know, if you take it in low doses, and you you're generally well. There's just there's barely there's think, um, practically no I think risk. Back then, when some of these doctors are saying that they were taking it, and all their staff was taking a front line, they're t they're talking about periods for like seven weeks. You know, and I remember yeah, well, I mean, patients that take it for rheumatoid arthritis take it for years and years and years and years. Well, people that have lupus have been taking it for yeah, that's another, too, right? Exactly. I know mm -hmm. somebody yeah, that's another autoimmune disorder has been taking it for, for over a decade. And, you know, this is yeah. alive and well. <laughs> you know? it's, a, it's a non issue that's been politicized, is what it is. It's an actual non issue that we've spent hundreds of millions of dollars and hours on at this point discussing, and it's a non issue. It's crazy. I, I just, I, I just can't see it. Uh, it was funny to see your exchange. Uh, you know, I think it was last week with, uh, with uh, Mark Caputo from Politico on Facebook over exactly mm -hmm. this issue, right? Well, actually, I think it was over COVID reporting, right? Yeah, uh, COVID reporting. 
and, and I want to I want to interject here, Ivan. When you had me on your show back in March, when all this was just just starting to unfold, and at the time I actually devoted a lot of time and energy to the numbers because back then I think they were pretty accurate. They're not accurate anymore, which is what Mark and I were debating. Yep. But you and I were discussing it, and we were predicting 0.6 as a case fatality rate. Yep. I don't know if you remember that. So the most recent numbers from the CDC, which I still think are, are elevated, have the best case scenario 0.5, worst case scenario 0.8. Of 1%. So, and what we're talking hmm? Of 1%, correct. Of one, yeah, exactly. 0.8 of 1%. So, right. so we were right on, you know, in, in well, our- Right now it's at, at point, point 0.3 of 1%, right? Well, not according to the CDC, right? The numbers are all over the map because they're not accurate. And that's what- the, I was debating with Mark. Right? I mean, it was actually pretty funny because he was like, I asked him, well, what do you think a COVID death means? And he said, well, if you die of something cardiac and you have COVID, it's considered a COVID death. But if you come in from blunt force trauma on a motorcycle accident and you have COVID, it's not considered COVID. That's what he wrote in his right. post. And, and not four days later, it was reported that, a, a, unfortunately, a man died on a motorcycle accident and they reported his COVID. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then the day after his statements, you know, opposing what I was saying, which is that they're overreported, we get the report from Orlando Health, major health system, pretty much all of Orlando, right? Yep. And and it's reported that they had no false negatives for for weeks and weeks and weeks. They had ninety eight percent positive COVID tests. Yep. I mean, it's crazy. And it was not an isolated incident. We're seeing it over and, and over. And uh, once they corrected the numbers, it was like nothing, right? It's nine, 9%. Yep. 9% positive rate. That's not death. That's not hospitalization. Right. That's just 9% positive rate. Yep. You know? Yeah, we, so, we, know, we know a friend of ours. Uh, I'm not going to say the name, but somebody that, uh, you know, we went, to, we went to high school with, um, you know, ha has, has tested positive for COVID. Uh, last week and um this person's fine he's got like uh like the sniffles he's got a cold a little congestion is it a, a healthy it. person yep and that's it yeah you know yeah. Kind of from his kids had like i guess the kids were going to karate class and one of the kids had it and you know uh it, it happened but um you know him and his um and his girlfriend his fiance or whatever um <clears throat> she doesn't even have any symptoms she has zero symptoms and uh, he's got, he's got like the sniffers, you know, and wow. okay. Yeah. So, you know, so if you're looking at uh, you know, 0.3% of 1%, you know, I guess it really doesn't matter. It's like the flu or less. Right. And right. I mean, we, we stopped the world for the flu or something, maybe a, a bad flu. economy in the world yeah. for a bad flu, the, the greatest economy in the world over a flu. Yeah. Um, and you said this very early on. You said, no, we, we should not shut anything down. This is crazy. We should, people that are at risk with underlying health conditions need to stay home, whatever, be careful. The elder, everybody else, we need to go out there and, you know, uh, you didn't say get infected, but you said, let's, let's go out there and just, you know, continue. We can't. Take precautionary measures. Remember I talked about Remember washing hands. Because you said, it, it's very simple, Ivan. He goes, you know, wash your hands, social distance, don't go hugging and kissing and sharing drinks, you know, with other people. And, uh, you know, especially if they're sick, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and we talked about that a little bit. And, and you said, as bizarre as that sounds, as simple as that sounds, 
And I remember your example. You said it's not it's not used because how many times you go to the bathroom and you see people coming in and out of stalls or bathrooms and they don't even wash their hands, right? Yeah, so yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh man, people are just gross. But uh, but you know, I like to come on your show and make predictions. So I'm I'm going to make a prediction, which is that Sweden, after let's say two to three years, is going to have one of the lowest COVID death rates in Europe. And the reason I'm making that prediction is because we're already seeing their numbers drop significantly. And it's likely due to the fact that they didn't shut down. They aren't going to experience a second and a third wave. And they basically just went through it. And a lot of the people who got COVID experienced what, what our colleague from high school is experiencing right now. You know, unfortunately, it, it snuck up on everyone. So they had a lot of early deaths, particularly with the elderly in, in homes. Yep. But, you know, the studies came out and said that even in Italy, where you had this massive uh, number in, in initially, uh, that the majority of those patients would have died in one year anyways. Yep. So, again, the numbers are, are very difficult to get real numbers, actual people who died from COVID. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, you, you look at Sweden and we talked about that, right? They're not wearing masks. They're not social distancing. They're not doing anything. Some of them are. They t but the thing about Sweden, it's really, it's, it's very interesting. You know, Bernie kept saying Sweden are socialist democratic, you know, leaders and all that. Sweden has been the most independent country in the, the world for individual independence, where they said, you make your decision. We want to inform you and you have to make your decision about whether you want to wear a mask, whether you need the social distance, whether you need to stay at home. We encourage you. If you're sick, please don't come out. And they left it up to the individuals to, to make to have personal liberty. It's really interesting. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and it's in uh, Florida, right? Florida's getting a bad rap right now. Terrible, but it's 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 BS. I mean, I hate I to say, say that. that it's total bullshit. You can say it's, bullshit on the show, by the way. You know, it's all it right. Is um, it is really okay? So more people got more people tested positive. There's well, more. Well, we, there's more we, testing we, done, right? Yeah, we we Florida's tested more than many countries in the world. I know. Right, and and that's DeSantis. I mean, they they they're railing on him again because it's election year. Right. But he and, and I was going to say we, because, you know, I consider myself a Floridian. So, um, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, Florida still has one of the lowest death rates, right? Uh, yes. Everybody's praising Cuomo as some, you know, czar or demigod. And the guy is a clown. He well, there, when we, it's funny you say that because everybody's praising him is the lamestream media is praising him. You know, I'm starting to use that term. Right. It, it's it's the the uh, Democratic pub, public relations company. Yeah, the propaganda machine. Media. The it's propaganda back. machine. So they so they give you the impression that everybody's praising him. Uh, my guess is that 49 percent of the country is praising him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what what, what is that term you uh, you called? Uh, you called the liberals. Oh, my God. The LL. Uh, La Land liberals. La Land liberals. That's exactly what they are. They live in La Land. They live in La La Land. In fantasy land that they, they have, they, you know, and uh, so here's my question, right? Here's a very pointed question is, you know, going from that, from the La La Land, have these people lost their ability to discern? 
Yes, it's, we do live in a post-truth world. Do have a mental health issue going on on that side of the aisle? Do they need a psychiatrist? Mass, mass hysteria. I mean, what and, is going on? Well, I, I, I mean, I think it's, I would sum it up with the speech that was given by the Atlanta mayor, you know, the left-wing liberal Atlanta mayor after the, the riots. And uh, when they destroyed the you know, front of section of CNN headquarters. Right. And she made a speech, very impassioned speech, saying, hey, that's not the right thing to do. Don't go out there and destroy CNN. They're on our side. That's not what we asked you to do. We asked you to vote for us. Yeah. That's what we need you to do. And, and I think what's happened is that the political arm with their propaganda machine has raised so much anger that they've kind of let the genie out of the bottle yeah. and they've caused people to just lose their minds. Yeah. And, and they have lost their when, mind, right? Right, they have. And when they do, they, that, when you lose your mind, you, you're not thinking, oh, I'm supposed to only lose my mind in this direction and do these things. That's not how it works. When you drive people crazy, they just go crazy. They don't care if it's CNN. They don't care if it's liberal, if it's Republican. They just want to break things. They're angry. You made them angry. You told them that the world has wronged them. You told them that they don't have their just desserts. You told them they need to rise up against the man. You know, you bring people to a point of frothing anger. They're not controllable. And that's where the liberals are losing, are really, you know, making a huge mistake. I think, uh, I think you're right. Uh, they, they've, they've unleashed this beast and mm -hmm. now they can't control it. That's exactly right. You no. Know, and you look at Portland, you look at some of the other places, it's just absolute mayhem. Uh, you look at that, uh, you, you look at that uh, report from the police department. I can't remember what city she's. Uh, uh, I can't remember where, where, which city it was, but it said, you know what, um, get, you know, be ready you know, to give up your cell phone, your wallet, don't take cash with you, take as little, take as little as you can when you go out, we can't protect you, you know, don't resist, just, you know, uh, give up and, and give yourself wheelie to, you know, people that are ready to assault you and mug you. That, that's crazy. Where was that? Oh, Where you haven't read that? No. Oh my God, I'll, I'll, I'll Google it right after the segment, I'll send you the link. It's absolutely insane, man. Okay. This is a police department of a major city telling its people, we can't protect you. Here are the guidelines. Um, you know, uh, you know, give up. Don't resist. When you go, try not to go out. If you go out, be aware of your surroundings. Take as little as you can with you. Take no cash. Be ready to give up your cell phone, your wallet, purse, whatever. I mean, this is crazy, dude. This yeah. is absolutely I wonder if crazy. the police unions are going to go to the right. Well, they and that would be a very interesting development well i've seen some videos out there of uh of some of these guys talking about that saying hey don't give up you know we are an army we are a brotherhood we're a family and we're going to vote on november 5th and we're voting for law and order you know november 3rd by ah, the third i'm sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it but, might end up past the fifth before we know who wins yeah yeah well, <laughs> hopefully we'll find out because it'll be a landslide but you know with this yeah. mail-in ballot you know they're, they're setting up the fraud you know, like they usually. But that's do. only for states that we wouldn't win, anyways, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. So hey, so I'm um so I'm gonna put you on the spot, um, you know, in that exchange with uh, with Mark Abuto, um, you know, he 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 called you out and he said, well, it's obviously that you're gonna, it's obviously that you're thinking about running. You've run before, and you're gonna run again. That's why you're doing <laughs> this. Uh, are you running again? Are you gonna run for I, office? What do you think? Well, in the future, 
You know, I, I, like I said, when we talked about this before, Ivan, I feel that in order to be a good politician, you can't be beholden to people with money. And yep. the only way to not be beholden to people with money is to have your own. Yeah. And uh, and you have to have a lot of it. That's why I think Trump is is successful is because he really can say whatever he wants and he doesn't care because he's he's got it. He's taken care of, you know, worst case scenario. He's got his big homes and he's got everything he needs. He doesn't have to worry about being out in the street. I mean, I know politicians, particularly local politicians. They lost an election. They don't have a job. They're not even employable. They end up using, you know, some kind of social program or they they actually become a, a, a manager on a social program because it's a it's basically government funding. Right. And, and, and that's not the right way for people to be politicians. Now, I'm not saying that would be my situation, but in my situation, I really wanna be at a point where I can basically tell somebody who I think is, uh, is wrong uh, and, uh, and is saying, you know, I'm gonna give you lots of money if you do this. I'm just, I wanna be able to say no. And that's, the, once I'm in that position- So Cyril Spiral's running for office? One day in the future, Maybe, probably. <laughs> <laughs> we almost got a commitment from him. We almost got a commitment from him. But we'll see. Hopefully, when you decide, you'll do it on Battleground. That sounds great. Yeah, all right. That sounds very good. Thanks, awesome, Ivan. Girl. Hey, man, I appreciate you on the show, man. It's always a pleasure. You're a stud. Same here. Uh, you know, you call it like it is, and we need more people like you. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish you would have run. Um, you know, at some point, you, you have to run, man. We need you in Congress. We need, we need uh, minds, and we need sane minds. You know, I appreciate that. calling the shots and telling people to, uh, you know, to, you know, push back on some of these people. Right. right with right. Uh, with with, you know, with intelligence, with, you know, articulate arguments and with facts. So, yeah, you know, Cyril, it's always a truth. pleasure, man. Ladies and yeah, gentlemen, Cyril Spiro, where can they find you on social media, Cyril? Uh, well, so Cyril Sp- at Cyril Spiro Tampa on Twitter and uh, and Facebook. I keep kind of private. That's for people I know relatively well. Every once in a while, I, I post publicly. If I know you, I'll, I'll, I'll friend you on Facebook, but I generally don't friend people I don't know, but Twitter's the place. So Cyril, at Cyril Spiro Tampa. Awesome. Awesome. All right, buddy. I appreciate it, man. We'll right. see you next time. Same here. Thanks for having me on the show. Take care, Evan. Bye-bye. All right, take care. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. Hey, by the way, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you. Let me explain. Let me tell you how it works. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast directly. It'll be heard on Spotify, Apple, and just about every other platform out there. So it's very, very easy to use, very user-friendly. And best of all, it lets you monetize that. So everything you need is all in one place. All you have to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. This is Battleground, right. and we have Ron Alito. Uh, Ron is a, uh, a a regular guest here on Battleground. Uh, he is a former CIA, former DIA, former DHS. He is uh, the consummate intel analyst. He knows intel like very few people. Ron, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, Ivan. Nice to be here with you. Excellent. So let's just uh, let, 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 let's hit the ground running, man. Black Lives Matter, what a disaster. Is this a, uh, uh, a racial justice movement or is this a Marxist operation that is well-coordinated and, uh, and, and just focused on taking down America? What's going on? Listen, uh, the, the issue here is that this is a clever strategy, okay? Because 
what this group is saying is a phrase or a, or, or a sentence that we all can agree, obviously. Like, black life matters. Like, every other human life matters, of course. That, that's not the issue. The, the slogan is accurate. The slogan is truthful. The slogan is something we all agree. Black life matter, Hispanic life matter, white life matter, all human life matters. That's not the issue. It's not the slogan. Is the ideology of the movement, of the organized movement behind it, that is the issue. We're talking about here a radical leftist, communist, Marxist movement that is the, the I mean, is, is the complete uh, example, it's a complete and total example of cultural Marxism, yeah. of taking down the culture, taking down the institution, taking down what make the West the West taking down everything that can resemble the Christian Western civilization. And we're not talking about only the, the fighting for whatever leftover of racism that might be out there. This is not that issue anymore. It's talking about the whole civilization, the whole country, the whole, the, the whole what makes America America, and the whole what makes the West the West. It's a radical organized movement, uh, not only in, in, in not only in the United States, but it has been expanded to all countries uh, in Europe, uh, many countries in Europe, many countries in Latin America, in Hispanic America, and the radical left communist Marxist groups are using this like a bandwagon. They are jumping into the bandwagon of the Black Lives Matter just to push the radical agenda. Hey, Ronnie, and, and what, what's, what's the whole point of this cancel culture of taking down statues and First, there was statues about, you know, the Confederacy. Now they're going after statues of Hispanic heritage in the United States. They want to they erase any, any and all Hispanic heritage from the United States. What's the point of, of going after Hispanic heritage now? What does that mean? Well, you, you need to understand that how this ideology works. Okay? They want to put upside down what we understand as our culture, completely upside down, completely eradicate our way of living, not our way of living in the United States for, for the last 100 years or for the last 200 years or our way of living in the Western civilization for the last 500 years. They want to eradicate everything. They, they want to turn it upside down. So in their view, there are different levels. And, and the first and more smallest level is, oh, let, let's gonna go after the statues of the Confederate, after Robert E. Lee, one, a great American hero, a military leader that thousands and thousands uh, uh, admire, or uh, Stonewall Jackson, or uh, many of our military bases are named after these uh, heroes as a way of, uh, of um, uh, bringing the country together. Uh, for Lee in Virginia, for Hood, etc. So they all bring come together. But now they will expand and they will not stop until they increase their attack into the whole Western civilization model, not only the Confederate, uh, the Confederate statues. So they attack and they hate Spain, for example, because Spain was the the great European power that brought European civilization into in, in, into America to brought uh, European civilization and Christianity 
into all of the 19 countries that today make uh, Hispanic America and Florida and Texas and New Mexico. So oh, you bring uh, white supremacy. That they see it in their understanding, in, in, in their, I mean, in their com confusion and uh, wrong understanding of history. But Spain did not come to America to bring civilization, to bring Christianity, to bring the, the, the medicine, the arts, to bring the music, to bring what, what make us us. No, Spain brought here white supremacy and racism. That's it. That's the way they see the, the war. And they will attack Hispanic heritage in America because that's the way they understand and misunderstand history. And they're not going to stop only in, in um, Hispanic heritage. Where do you see where European do you Christian heritage? What's that? I'm sorry, you, you broke up. Yeah, that they will not stop only in Hispanic heritage. They will keep going after everything that resembles or, or, or reminds them of European or Christian heritage. Uh, uh, Hispanic heritage is just in their way. Well, they're not going to stop over there. Yeah, it's crazy. And we've seen that, right? Going after, you know, the, the statue of Christopher Columbus, going after the statue of priests, of Catholic priests, right? Uh, you, see, you see them attacking now everything, anything. Uh, we saw, I can't remember what city, I think it was... Uh, I'm not sure if it was in Portland, but Black Lives Matter uh, to Hispanic businesses. You know, uh, almost, uh, I posted this on Twitter yesterday, you know, a, a, a mafia style, a racket, you know, uh, of, uh, of enforcement saying, you either hire more blacks, buy from blacks, uh, pay us money, do whatever, or your business is gonna be destroyed. You know, that, that, that's mafia style, Listen. that's a mob. Like, Listen, the, in my opinion, this, all this thing is just the left, the radical left is always going to be there and it's have always been there. Okay. We're talking about ever, ever since the revolution of 68, ever since uh, the post hippie world, the anti-capitalist world, the anti-Christian world, the anti-Western civilization world, they're always going to be there and they're always waiting for an excuse an excuse to push the radical left-wing Marxist agenda. George Floyd is a tragic thing, a tragic incident, okay? Our condolences to his family, uh, looks very bad, uh, sad thing, but it's a minor thing in the great scheme of things. And they are using George Floyd just as an excuse, 100% an excuse to push the radical agenda, to push the radical, uh, the, the radical ideology, and it's, and they are using it now to attack American history, American heritage, to attack Hispanic heritage, to go after Christopher Columbus and after Juan Ponce de Leon in Miami and after Cervantes statues and after everything that resembled, uh, that resembled the, the European contact and the European uh, heritage, in this case, their Spanish uh, heritage in America. They're not going to stop. They're just using this. They're jumping into the wagon, jumping into the bus of uh, this incident, this sad incident of George Floyd, just to push their agenda. They will not stop. They will go after George Washington. They will go after Jefferson. They will try to change the, the capital city of the United States, Washington, uh, DC for another name. They already tried to change St. Louis, in Missouri, the, the, the great city named after the, the French king, the same French king. They tried to change it to Flavor City. 
What the heck is that? They're trying to say, <laughs> oh, because he's European and white and Christian. That's going to change. They are going to, they're not going to stop until they push and they keep pushing eternally without stop the radical Marxist agenda to change the culture, to change what makes us a nation, to change what makes us the European heritage in, in the United States, the Spanish heritage in the United States, what makes us a Christian nation, part of the Western civilization. They will not stop. They will never, ever stop. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad you're on the show. Obviously, your background, you're an intelligence analyst. You know, you, you, you played a, a across several different uh, of the three-letter agencies out there on the intel side. So, you know, very few people know intelligence like you do. Um, we've talked about this numerous times. I've, I've had other guests talk about it as well. What we're seeing today, what we're witnessing today is not just, you know, a couple of uh, wild and crazy people hiding under this uh, social justice crap you know, calling it Black Lives Matter. It is actually a global, very well-organized, very well-funded movement, uh, Marxist movement, to take down the United States, to take down Donald Trump, and to, you know, uh, destroy America, right? Um, people don't get that. People don't understand that. People say, no, 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 that's, that's not what it is. That can't be. Uh, this is social justice. There's white guilt. Uh, you know, we need reparations. Why don't people understand what's really going on, Ronnie? Uh, is it because well, nobody's talking about it? I mean, are we not doing a good job explaining, you know, the global threat, the global Marxist threat that's going on? You know, China, Russia, Iran, uh, the socialist Marxists in Europe, Grupo de Puebla in Latin America. I mean, uh, we talked about it, um, you know, when the riots, you know, were happening you know, we knew there were foreign actors in the riots as well. We knew people from, you know, from Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, uh, all, all these actors were, you know, in South Florida and, and you know, different ones uh, around the country, right? Uh, why, why is the media not reporting this? Well, first of all, because about 80% of the media in the United States is very sympathetic. I mean, uh, the, most of the media, and we're talking about the, the great networks in, uh, in the big cities. I mean, we're talking about uh, Washington, D.C., and New York, and Los Angeles, and Chicago, and Miami. The big cities, the, the, the media over there is part of the problem. They, their uh, journalists, their, their editorials, their, their viewpoints, their ideological line is very aligned with left-wing movements. And remember, about 80%, 85% of the big media in the United States, they hate Trump. They hate everything that is conservative, pro-Christian, uh, patriotic. They hate it. So they see every opportunity to attack Trump and what he represents, his base of voters, uh, Christian, conservative, uh, <clears throat> patriotic voters, and they, they take that opportunity. So they are Black Lives Matter. Let's going to push them, their agenda. Let's going to push them their ideology let's gonna legitimate uh, their attacks on trump and their legitimate their attacks on american history and american culture they use they use and they are sympathetic and listen this is an organized movement it is not something spontaneous okay every big city in america and also in the west i mean you, we can talk about madrid and we can talk about santiago of chile and we can talk about mexico city and we can talk we can talk about uh, lisbon 
uh, as I said before, just, just recently the, the left-wing mobs in Lisbon were burning Bibles. I mean, they, these are organized movements. They are organized here in America under the... Well, here, here, here in the U.S. too, Ronnie, just not, not, not to cut you off, but here last night or the night before, they were burning Bibles at one of these... Yes. What the hell do Bibles yes. have anything to do with Black Lives Matter? It, it, it's what I said. They use the George Floyd, they use the anti-racism uh, slogan just to push the radical agenda. The, the, they, they take a right, a free right into it to push the radical agenda. And the radical agenda is the destruction of Christianity, the destruction of Western civilization, the destruction of our structures of what makes us a civilization. They use it. And everything that looks European, Christian, uh, a normal family of a, a father and a mother with, with children, everything that looks out, that, that's, uh, that's racism. Everything is racism. Everything that looks like the civilization that we, that, that built us, that, that made us, is for them racism. But the Bible is a symbol of that, so they have to destroy the Bible. And, and, and what I was trying to, to explain is that these are not the spontaneous movement. These people are organized on left-wing parties, on radical movement like Antifa and like Occupy Wall Street and like anarchist groups. And they have the support of the press and they have the support of the media. And every time that they can, they have an excuse like the tragic death of George Floyd. Again, condolences to his family. Every time that they see something like that, they jump into that bus to take advantage and exploit and, uh, and use a, uh, to, to use to fool with the help of the, of the media. And if, in a big city, let's say Miami, if there are 200 or 300 full-time activists, radical activists, organized on Black Lives Matters and organized onto uh, Antifa or organized onto Wall Street Occupy movement, whatever, those two, three hundred, with the help of the press, with the help of the, uh, of the passive media that supports them, that are uh, aligned with them, they will be able to fool 10,000 people, 15,000 people, 20,000 people that uh, might be good-hearted, might be have good intentions, but they are very terrible, ill-informed. Yeah. And they will be used by those two or 300 radicals with the media. They will be able to fool those 15, 20,000 people. And that's what we're seeing in America. That's right. Hey, Ronnie, we're almost out of time. Um, you know, quick question. Um, what is the biggest threat that our country faces today when we start talking about China, Russia, Iran, Grupo Puebla on this hemisphere, uh, narco-terrorism, uh, cartels. Uh, give us a, a quick two, three-minute rundown um, before, before I, I know you got to run. Yes, uh, I think that the most aggressive and powerful external threat that we're facing right now is China. Uh, China has an economy a lot bigger than that of Russia. China has still a lot of support from American big businesses. They have them uh, blackmail if you want it, uh, because they still have their production lines in China. And if they, they can push a lot of uh, influence over American big businesses, because again, they still have, they are vulnerable to Chinese influence. China is a extremely big intelligence threat. They have uh, the economical means, the, the, the money to push their agenda against the United States. They are doing hacking against the United States. They are stealing secrets from the United States. They are uh, 
they have a, a lot of network of spies working against the United States interests. So I think China is one of the big long-term problems and immediate problems. Other than that, I think that the radical agenda of the left-wing radicals inside the United States uh, is a terrible threat that will destroy our economy, will destroy our way of life, will destroy the freedoms and liberty, and, and will destroy freedom of speech in America, especially if they win now in the elections in November. I think that's a terrible internal threat, and they obviously will be costly to China too. The, the left-wing radicals that want to get political power in the United States in November. So I think those are the, the main things that, that threatens me. I mean, that I'm, I'm more aware of big threats in America. And obviously, all in Latin America right now, they are still alive. The left-wing uh, dangers and, and the, the, the dictatorship of Nicolás Maduro pushing drugs to the United States, El Cartel del Sol, in connection with the other cartels of the area, with the Mexican cartels, they are still pushing. That's, that's a big danger to the society of the United States. That's a, a Maduro still there, being protected by the Cuban intelligence, using, using his uh, uh, petrodollars to push his agenda, to push the cartel uh, del Sol. To, that's a threat to our political stability in the continent. So I will say China is the biggest national threat, external national threat right now. Uh, the, the danger that the radical left takes over the United States in November, that will be terrible. That will be the end of Christian America. And also the regional threats like Nicolás Maduro and his cartel del Sol, that will be another threat. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronnie Aledo. Ronnie, thank you very much for being on the show, man. Where can people find you on social media? What's your Twitter handle? Uh, they, they can find me mostly in YouTube, um, uh, XCIA Analyst. Uh, that's that's where I put mo most of my videos, and they can find uh, Ronnie Aledo. They search for that on uh, Twitter, and I will post and I post over there also some some of the social media that I that I produce and I like. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being on the show, and don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. Welcome back to Battleground. We are joined by Kim Classic. Kim, it's awesome to have you back on the show. You joined us when. Uh, when you, jeez, uh, I guess when you first ran back in January, um, now you're back. The podcasts were all over the place. We're on iHeart, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, and just about every other platform that, that possibly exists is carrying our show. So welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, you've been doing a lot. Definitely not as much as you have. <laughs> Definitely not as much as you have. I follow you on social media. You are out there every day, banging on doors, walking talking to people. It is so refreshing. I love the hard work you're doing. I, I you know, uh, I, I did promise that I was going to go out there and walk with you before the election. So, you know, I'm going to remain uh, true to that statement and I will go out there one of these days. So you just got to let me know what works. Yeah, absolutely. We would love to have you um, just pick a day and, and come on up. You know, we're all about the grassroots uh, here with our campaign. You know, I don't agree with anything that AOC has ever said or done. But I will say she did go around and knock door and door and it worked for her. You know, that works when you get out there and you talk to people, uh, people understand that you genuinely care and that you want to make a difference. And some people just want to be heard, you know, so it's, it's great to get out there and talk to people. Um, you know, I say all the time, West Baltimore, the part of the district. Uh, you broke up there. Hold on. Kim, are you still there? I think we lost Kim. 
Uh oh. Oh, there she me? is. You're back. You're back. Okay. I had you were saying West Baltimore and then you broke up. Sorry about that. Yeah. So West Baltimore, I mean, the nicest people live in West Baltimore. Very welcoming, you know, always willing to listen and always want to tell you exactly what the issues are. You know, they're not afraid to speak. The problem is, uh, you know, they're dealing with mainstream media and some of the local media that doesn't give them that opportunity to amplify their voices. And so a lot of times we hear about, you know, President Trump and what he is or isn't doing um, and other things that don't affect them. Um, it's because no one actually comes in and says, hey, you know what? You're part of this community. What it is that what is it that you need? You know, and, and so I was very upset. I told you before when President Trump, he said, you know, he saw the videos that I posted and said, hey, you know, Baltimore City, clean up your backyard. And people were so upset about it in the media. Um, but no one actually came to talk to the people that live here in the community dealing with it every day because they would tell you they're upset with it also. You know, they've had enough. And so I'm just trying to make sure they understand with me, they have a voice. That's awesome. And, you know, and you got to let me know when you uh, when, when you hit the um, Hispanic section of town, we'll bring the battleground group up there and, oh, yeah. uh, and would love to talk to some of your constituents. And and, you know, we, we really need you. Uh, we really need you to win, Kim. So we will do whatever we can on our side to help that happen. Hey, Kim, you. You know, we were talking a little bit about um, off camera about, uh, you know, some of the concerns, you know, um, you know, in, in, in Maryland, especially in your community, my community with this, um, you know, with the, with the relief package. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know, you know, Congress, for some reason, they like to go back and forth because there's people that have been on Capitol Hill so long. You know, they've got grudges and, you know, they don't want to work with each other. But there's a lot of people that are, you know, getting ready to really feel the hit the hardest. And like you're saying, you know, the Hispanic community and the black community will be hit the hardest. Um, it's always uh, the minority groups that are hit uh, when you're talking about not sending enough relief financially. And also, uh, as we were talking about, there are going to be people uh, looking at eviction here in the next couple weeks. And I believe you said it was about 42% in Maryland, correct? Yeah, 51% in Florida. Can you imagine those numbers? I mean, the, the numbers nationwide are all like about, you know, high 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's insane. That is insane. And, and I talk about all the time, you know, one of our biggest problems in, in the Baltimore area is that most minorities don't own their homes. You know, right. almost everyone is, is renting. So basically, you would see a huge uh, group of minorities then looking for shelter and looking for places. And let me tell you, Ivan, now with the coronavirus, most of our shelters are closed, right? Yeah. Because of COVID. So we've got already a large part of the homeless population already on the streets and taking advantage of, you know, just the resources that we have during this pandemic. I can't even imagine what will happen when you have families, you know, you could have a family of five or six uh, looking at having nowhere to live. What will we do? There's nothing we can do with that. Yeah, 42% in Maryland, that's definitely going to hit my community and your community. I mean, we, we talked about this, right? Hispanics, you know, brown and black. Brown and black are going to get impacted big time, right? Where do all those people go? 42%. You know, where do all those people go? I mean, that, that would be catastrophic, I think. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Baltimore, I would imagine, would be hit. PG County, uh, some areas in Montgomery yeah. County where there's large uh, Hispanic populations would be hit. Yep. Hard. Um, wow. Uh, I, it's just, uh, it, it's almost frightening to, to think about those numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's upsetting because, you know, we have stuff, you know, this is real life situations that people are facing every day. 
And then we look at the media and we look at people like Nancy Pelosi and they're talking about things that don't pertain to anyone and what's going on on their day-to-day -day lives. You know, it's all about the ratings. It's all about, you know, what can we say to get at Trump? You know, and it's just, it's crazy. It's like, you know, take care of the people that have elected you to represent them. And sometimes I think they forget, you know, they're there for the people. Uh, they sit in these seats as if, you know, we're doing them a favor, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it kills me. But, you know, this is something that unfortunately I do see on both sides of the aisle. I think they need to just button it up and get together. I know they're about to go on recess, correct? Yeah. 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 If they go on recess and don't pass something, they're in trouble. I think both sides. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, that I would actually support protesting and taking to the streets. <laughs> something like that. You know, peaceful, peacefully, peacefully, no riots. Peacefully. Yeah, no riots. We don't need any riots because, you know, peaceful protesting, that worked uh, when Martin Luther King did it. It can work again. So I don't understand why people are getting violent. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we have to rise up and say something. If, if government can't get it together and we elect them to get it together, then we need to say something. We can't stay silent. Yep. Hey, hey Kim, you had, you had mentioned something, um, you know, and I've, and I've seen you talk about it on, uh, on the different platforms as well while you're out there, is the uh, release of prisoners with this COVID thing. Can you tell us about that? So it, it might be one of the most idiotic things I've seen, uh, and, and that's tough in 2020, right? Um, but right now, it's like this hard move by the last to release prisoners because they think they are vulnerable and at high risk to COVID. Meanwhile, the numbers came out over the weekend that you actually are at higher risk outside of prison. So at family gatherings, going to the grocery store, going to Walmart, so have you, um, or even in nursing homes. So, you know, this whole thing that they have to release prisoners because of COVID is nonsense. But here's my thing, and this is what we see in Baltimore City all the time. When you release prisoners and you have zero opportunities for them when they get out, what do they do? They usually commit crime because they have to survive. Um, you know, we see a lot of robberies. We see a lot of armed robberies, unfortunately. Um, and we see, again, if you're going in there, if you're already in there for murder or even, you know, shooting a victim or what have you, uh, you come back out, there's no opportunities. You still got to get money to survive. You're going to do what it is you know and what you know to do. So I don't understand why we do this over and over again. You know, in Baltimore City, we have 11 time repeat offenders on the streets. Uh, that's insane. And they're violent offenders. Uh, but that's because, you know, here we don't have a state's attorney that actually does her job, Marilyn Mosby. Um, but if we see these uh, cities, especially like I think they're dealing with it in San Francisco right now, where they're releasing these prisoners, uh, there's no opportunities for them. They're going to attack, uh, you know, innocent victims. And this is my problem with what we have in Baltimore. You know, prisoners get out. There's no way that we have any training for them. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of them, unfortunately, have gone in before the tech boom, is what I've noticed. Uh, they get out, they don't really know how to navigate a computer or the internet, uh, and then they don't have the skill to do so, and it's hard for them to apply for jobs that way. Um, and then another part of it is we don't have a ton of career opportunities in the area, and that's why I'm running for office. It's like, look, we saw what happened in the COVID pandemic. We saw that we had to rely on other countries for our PPE, why not bring that billion dollar medical equipment industry back to the U.S.? And for me, what better way to do it than in Baltimore City? We have the second largest port in the country and we don't utilize it. You Amen. know, we could be running. Amen. We could be, 
Yeah. yeah, we could be running programs right through the high schools and getting these kids trained. We can be running programs through the prison system. You know, it's supposed to be rehabilitation. Why not run programs through the prison system and have people trained so that when they get out, they can go to work and become contributing members to society. It's not that hard. There's just, unfortunately, there's a lot of money to be made in crime. As you know, there's a lot of corrupt uh, individuals in office that like to keep things the way that it is. And, you know, this is what the problem I have with Democrats all the time. People ask me, why aren't you a Democrat? I hate this party so much, uh, basically because what they do is they leverage the urban struggles uh, to get federal grants. And they do it every year to get more money. They take the money and never makes it to the ground. Um, but that's just what they do. And we saw that uh, after the death of Freddie Gray, millions of dollars were sent to the Penn North Corridor, you know, where the riots were in 2015 in, in Baltimore City. Yep. It's 2020. That money still is missing. How could that be? You know, so it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm sick of it. I know there's a lot of people sick of it. And I hope we get a handle on it. That's awesome, Kim. We definitely hope that, uh, that, that, that you win. We need a fresh voice. That, that seat needs a flip. I don't know how many decades yeah. it's been in Democrat hands, and uh, obviously it's done a disservice to the uh, to the citizens of that uh, of that district for so long. Absolutely. Kim Krasik, everyone, thank you for being on the show, Kim. Uh, best of luck with the campaign. Let us know when you're ready to go. Uh, when you when you're hitting with the, uh, uh, in the in the Hispanic section of town, we'll come out there and. Uh, and help you out. We'll bring uh, everybody from Battleground. Hey, Kim, where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, so if you're on Twitter, Kim K. Baltimore is the handle. Uh, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, it's just Kimberly Klasik, K-L-A-C-I-K. And then you could always go to my website, KimKForCongress.com, uh, and check out my platform. And then you can also sign up to volunteer there as well or to make a donation. And especially that point, right? Make a donation. She is in a very, very hard fight. She can't win without your help. Uh, unfortunately, campaigns cost a lot of money, and we need everybody, no matter what the amount is, to chip in a dollar, five bucks, or max out if you can. We need uh, we need Kim. Excellent. Thank, Thank you very, very much. Kim Klasik, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Excellent. And thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us this, uh, today. And uh, do not do not forget to follow us all week. We're going to have uh, the great Corey Lewandowski. We're having Jim Dornan back talking politics. Uh, we're having Marilee Cancio from the uh, Trump campaign. Uh, we have a stacked, stacked, stacked uh, week. It is going to be a lot of fun. We're touching everything that nobody else wants to touch. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. Friends, this election means more than anything in our lifetime. I know we've heard everybody say this so many times, but this time it's true. We have Marxism openly fighting in our streets, burning down cities. That is why the Hispanic vote is so, so important. You've heard our guests talk about it. You know, we need to be the vanguard of freedom. We need to defend it. We know exactly what Marxism is. It has destroyed Latin America, it has destroyed the world, it has destroyed so many other places. That's why we were we have been working so hard to bring the Hispanic vote back to the Republican Party where it belongs. Uh, before this pandemic, we talked about and we've seen polls where the Hispanic approval numbers of, of the president have been 49, 50, 51, 52%. Um, that number would destroy the Democrats, would be a slam dunk landslide victory for the president. We need to continue our work. 
please visit hlc.gop uh, and make a donation, share with your friends. We can't do it without you. The Hispanic Leadership Council is obviously the sponsor of the show uh, and, and it is the work that we're trying to do. We need to bring that vote to the Republican Party back where it belongs. Please join us, hlc.gop. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.